magical and we capture this beautiful moment but then it ends and we're like what do we do fuck so uh so we decided to you know start this podcast near and queer to my heart where we get to know the storytellers and then also other queer performers because you, we have so much more um than you know just our, our stand-up or the story or the, the five to ten minutes we get on stage so um I was so honored when uh, Pam chose me to be part of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. I'm super excited. Like I said, I live in New Orleans, so made it out here for that. Um, and then I, uh, through that, met Jenna Vesper, who's with us. Hey, Jenna. How's it going? And uh, she's here for the festival, too. So I thought, hey, this is a really good chance for me to get to know her a little bit more, for y'all to get to know her a little bit more. Um, I did see her stand up a couple nights ago, and it was hilarious. <laughs> it was. It was great. It was great. I got a lot to say about it, but, uh, f you know, first we'll get to know you a little bit better before we start, you know, with my diatribes of things, because um, I am, you know, pretty pretty good at just ranting and raving for a long time. I, f I would fit really well in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's good, though. Yeah. Um, so, Jenna, you live in Portland now? I do. I do. I am. I was born and raised in Napa, California, though, so it's kind of nice coming back to San Francisco um, and like having little memories of my childhood, you know, come at me all of a sudden. How long uh, were you in Napa? I was born and raised there. I left when I was, um, I was on the road moving to Portland on my 18th birthday. Oh, wow. I like, celebrated my 18th birthday on the road. Was it the kind of place that you were like, I hate it, I just have to get out? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a really, it's like a smallish town and what have you, but it's, it's just very conservative and just nothing really to it unless you're rich or you love wine. And I am neither of those things. Um, so Portland was definitely a nice place to go to because you can be, you know, a little bit more broke. And if you like beer, perfect place. then you're in the fucking perfect place for it. Yeah, y'all like beer a little too much for yes. my taste. I just, I'm like, just give me a beer. And they're mm -hmm. like, what kind? And it's, uh, <laughs> what percentage? And it's microbrewery and what, I don't know, yeast or, yeah. I don't, I don't. I don't know, because I just drink. Same with the wine, too. Like, yeah. I've been to, mostly I've been to Napa for bachelorette parties, so that's why I'm like, how do, I'm like, where do the people who live here come from? Because I just feel like it's just a bunch of tourists and, yeah. and drunk, you know, girls weekends and bachelor and bachelorette parties and, um, what, I guess, weddings and, and things that happen. Yeah. And I was like, who, I wouldn't want to live here. And like every, like during the week, it's probably awesome. And then on the weekends, you're like, oh my God, if I hear one girl scream one more time, woo, like I'll lose my shit. But I would imagine that that would actually be the case in New Orleans, too. Just yeah. walking down the street is a bunch of people partying. Yeah, Bourbon crazy. Street. Yeah, Bourbon Street. Right. That's a, yeah, that's the place where when I have friends visit, I'll, I walk them down one time, and I'm like, we're gonna go from the start to the finish, and that's it. And if you want to go back, you turn around and go back, and I'm gonna keep going the other way. <laughs> but yeah, we do have a, a lot of that. But we keep it in a contained area. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Which is which is nice for sure. Napa is just. I mean, it's changed, so I haven't been in, like, eight years, so I'm about to go back after this festival, um, because it's definitely no way I can come down this close and not go see my family. They would hate me forever. Um, but I'm not really looking forward to it. I mean, I've obviously stayed away for eight years, but I, I've heard it's changed and gotten its version of, like, gentrification in a way. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to go there, because it was already pretty, um, you know, privileged area, but also didn't have anything of interest, though. There's a couple like, of breweries now, though, right. so you it might be interested. It was just always, interested. like, rich people just living a life, but it was never, there really wasn't anything, like, fun to do or a cool bar to go to or anything, but now apparently they have all that stuff, so it's just going to be kind of probably interesting, and I don't know, but, I mean, honestly, if, like, I can get a good espresso or, like, a macchiato <laughs> while I'm there, I'll be very happy, because beforehand, it's always just, it was just, like, Starbucks, maybe, you know? Yeah. No, like... 
coffee culture that I'm used to from Portland. Oh my god, <laughs> which yeah, is showing my privilege as well. I'm sure. <laughs> Was what are there things to do in Napa for kids? Like I like I said, I've only um, done very very smoke adult drugs sm- at the uh, <laughs> skate park. I said smoke drugs. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, did you do that, <laughs> or did you just hear about the cool kids doing that? <laughs> Clearly, I smoked too many drugs that now I can't <laughs> form words. Um, no, I didn't really do a ton of the drugs. I smoked pot when I was younger, but, um, that was it. But there is a huge meth problem in Napa. Uh, a lot of people don't think that because they think it's just so like affluent and nice, but same. Yeah. My hometown from Santa Clarita outside of LA. And Mm -hmm. I learned that later on that it's apparently a huge meth place. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I think a lot of people, at least in Napa, they were trying to live outside of their means. Like the people who, who weren't quite like from wealth, um, wanted to live like that. And so there was just a lot of like delusional, like living and trying to be this and it, it affected people, you know? And then I think drugs were just there to kind of ease the pain because so many people, I mean, maybe I'm just speaking from experience, but like pretty much everyone in my family, other than maybe my grandparents used meth. (laughs) I guess too you have like the space like you can create meth. There's like places. Oh, it's harder. To, it's harder to do it in a city. City, you know. Yeah. I mean, Portland has its issues as well in that sense, but I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit more chill up there. People are more apt to just smoke pot and drink. Like you said, yeah. just drink and stay inside and be depressed in that way. <laughs> <laughs> like, depression with like a little bit more of a a realistic look at it versus like let me just try to act like I'm better than everyone else. I don't know. Yeah. So are are your parents from there too? Like, are you Mm -hmm. like third, fourth generation Napa? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say probably second or third generation. Yeah. Um, my grandparents, I think were the ones that moved there maybe, but I don't know much about them after that. Okay. When did your parents like work with wine? I, no. Is that, okay. I was like, what are their jobs? Are yeah. There? Are no. they there? My mother worked for the hospital. My father was a construction worker. So we lived a pretty, like, just normal middle class life. Um, lower middle class, I guess. Uh, nothing, you know, too fancy. But it was just, I knew that, like, if I wanted to live on my own or go to college or do anything like that, I would have to leave because we didn't have the means to do any of that and to, like, live to you know live with my partner at the time would have um been impossible so we moved to portland because there was family nearby on his side and um and i don't know we just kind of went there and it was i was able to like go to a trade school and start a career for a while until that all blew up but anyway that's another story <laughs> okay so you get to portland you're 18 you're mm-hmm. with a partner mm-hmm um how my high long? school sweetheart at okay. the time yeah how long were you all together uh seven and a half long years oh wow yeah. like from when you were kids or mm-hmm. like 16 i started dating yeah and oh. then seven and a half years after that that's a, that's a little longer than any relationship i've had and oh, i'm 34 yeah, now so oh that's gosh. pretty impressive <laughs> thanks it was it was not the best relationship but it was um I learned a lot, you know. Got you out of myself. Yeah, I got me. We yeah, we moved up there. We had this a lot of the same goals and everything. He was just kind of a, a emotional abuser and um, kind of a shithead. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. No, it's fine. 
parts. I'm trying to think like the funny parts. I've been trying. Okay, so like you don't have to think of the fun. No. Everyone comes on here and they're so like, funny. "I'm trying to be so funny," and I'm like, "It's it's not. It's not. It might be funny, mm-hmm. and we might, you know, it might be sad. Like we can have all kinds of, you know." Whatever conversations we want to have, there's no uh, parameters. True. I just, it's interesting because I do eventually, I want to try to talk about, um, because we got married at one point, I do want to try to talk about my, like, marriage and divorce on stage in some way one day, but I've yet to, like, figure out a way to make it funny, other than that when I tell people I've been married sometimes, they are, like, very shocked by that because, I mean, the viewers can't, the listeners can't see me right now. I'm just very, like kind of eccentric I, i'm 32 but i look i feel like i look like i'm trying to be 21 <laughs> i think and i and i kind of just like live a very like yolo-esque type life <laughs> like i i live in a living room right now i'm just like no car no aspirations no career and uh people are just like whoa you were married and you like had a real job and a house and a whole thing and i was like yeah but it was i was really unhappy how (laughs) how old were you when you got married 24 i think yeah yeah see because i think about like who i was with when i was 24 i'm like man if i'd gotten married i i would we would i mean we broke up anyway Mm -hmm. but like if we got married we probably would have tried to stay together longer because we were married um and i also you know i think too like my parents generation like they were married my mom was 23 when they got married my dad was 25 and my dad's like we were the oldest ones of our friends that weren't married Mm -hmm. because he didn't want to get married he was like i just we're living together it's great let's just fucking stay let's just live together and hang out like we do we don't need marriage and Mm -hmm. then Every one of their friends was married. The parents were, you know, back then, I think there's a lot more oh, yeah. pressure. So they ended up getting married. Um, and he's like, I was 25 and the oldest one of my friends. And I'm like, that's oh. insane. I'm 34 and I have tons of friends that aren't married. Exactly. And it's a very common thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't feel bad about it. I live with my girlfriend now. We've been together almost two years and nobody's putting pressure on me to, you know, if, if we do decide to get married in the future, it'll be a you know, decision that we make. But I can't, you know, imagine you know, having, if I had been married in my twenties, I think that's such a different experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really was for sure. And there was pressure for my family to do it. And it was definitely a mistake. I had like a total breakdown, like a week before the wedding. I remember like, and crying and figuring and thinking like, Oh, I don't want to do this. But like the invitations were already sent. People were coming, you yeah. know, it was like a whole thing. So I don't know. One day I'll think about, I'm actually, I mean, I've processed it. I've moved on. It's been about seven years six years i'm bad at math so like i'm not even like really traumatized by it but it's just like i want to try to find somehow to make it funny but yeah it hasn't come to me it, it'll it'll come there's a lot of experiences that i have that i try to take them back mm-hmm. you know through comedy mm-hmm. and through the funny amazing and sometimes you try and it just like it doesn't work out um but i have a joke that i'll tell later tonight and it's actually um about a really bad experience i had at a gynecologist it was right after i came out of the closet and i went to the gyno and I was so excited, you know, to be like, oh, you know, this is a chance where I can come out to somebody and, and be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not on birth control because I'm gay. I don't need birth control. And then this lady was like super Christian and was trying wow. to get me to like date her son and like laid into me about how wrong I am. And I'm, you know, in the fucking paper gown yeah, on the stirrups, like it's the weirdest place to be. And I just start crying. And I'm like 23 at the time, but I was still on my mom's health insurance. Yeah. So she was in the weight room. So I come out of, of the gyno and I'm crying. And my mom's like, what did they do to you in there? You know? Just so, emotionally abuse me. Yeah. And then she laid into them and, you know, it's a whole. So I, I, I now have a whole joke about it, but it took a while. It took wow. years for me to, like, get that out. But it's something that still, I mean, it happened when I was 23 and I still think about it every once in a while and get mm-hmm. really angry and pissed off that that was an experience that I had. Yeah. 
That's real. That's but you'll, real. you'll get there, and I'm yeah. looking forward to... <laughs> oh, yeah. One day hearing me talk yeah. about my, my shitty ex-husband. <laughs> oh, man. So. Well, can, yeah, can I ask... Um, Oh, sorry. I don't know what I did with this mic because I don't know how technology works, which is why I'm glad I'm here in this studio. Um, I can't hear through the the headphones. That's okay, though, right? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. It's good. Um, I was going to ask, and if you don't have an answer for this, it's fine because I'm not trying to put any boxes on it. But Mm -hmm. um, I like to ask um, you how you identify. Yeah. I, um, for the longest time, have, since I was like probably 14, have identified as bi. But I would say in the last year, year and a half, come to like, um, identifying more as like pansexual in the sense that as as I've just grown as a person, I've like learned and become more woke, uh, as the kids say, um, to like gender not being a binary and um, me realizing you know all of just like being attracted to people more, you know. Yeah. That now I'm like I want to start identifying more as pansexual. I've felt nervous to do that in some ways because I don't want to like I've I know as a bi person I've had uh issues with not feeling welcome in certain aspects of the community for better or for worse and I don't always like I don't want to like come in and be like I need all of the respect and everyone just listen to what I have to say because I don't want to do that because I have experienced the privilege of being uh perceived as straight my entire life you know yeah no um annoying Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. One of the comics in New Orleans, she's bisexual, and mm-hmm. she has and she has a joke about how like now that Trump's president and things are kind of crazy, like um, that in the future, the like it's it's kind of a messed up joke about gays being in concentration camps oh, almost, yeah. and it's like oh the you know gay men will do the hair for everybody, and the lesbians will build the things, and the bisexuals will just be happy that they're there. It's, <laughs> you know the crux of the joke but i feel like with what you just said you might identify with with that joke exactly i'm just happy to be accepted by somebody um yeah because i don't know i've had issues i mean because my my shitty ex-husband like he he was he found my bisexuality to be like a turn-on but something that he could use and something that was like his in a way and like we had three summons together when we were together but with with other females, but it was all like by his design and his choice, and I never got to like have any, you know, um, say in it really. And they were not great experiences, and so for a long time, I would still always identify as bi, but that I would just like be um, I have a ton of internalized misogyny because of it and well, society and what have you, but would just think that like oh I was only sexually attracted to women and not romantically attracted to them because they're dramatic or whatever and plus also he just kind of made me feel shitty about it and the experiences we had with other women were not focused on my pleasure yeah and maybe not even theirs i mean because he was kind of shitty that way but um so then i was always just like i don't know if i even am like the right kind of buy because i just couldn't really explore it yeah, well, society wants to put you in a box, and it sounds like your ex-husband wanted to put you in a different box or yeah. a box within that box, and then that doesn't allow you the mental space or, you know, capacity to really explore that on your own terms. Yeah, so. and it's just, like, so much easier to live the, you know, more straight-identified life and to just, like, pick up dudes and date dudes and be around dudes, you know? So it was, I just continued that. Even after I left him, I just kind of continued down that path for a while until I started, like... Yeah, just exploring it more and opening up and meeting some really awesome queer people that, like, would question me on, like, the internalized misogyny and the issues that I was having, um, probably even internalized homophobia, and 
be like, wait, do you really think that way? And it's like, oh, no, I don't actually. Yeah. And I break it down, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I, I definitely, um, I mean, I think we overthink that. I think a lot of queer people overthink a lot of things, and I, I do, and I like to talk about it, too, because mm-hmm. we've had, there's been so much in my life where I haven't been able to talk about it that now that I'm finally able to talk about, you know, being queer and what that means and what that means for my partners and what mm-hmm. their experiences are in mine, it's, you know, it's it's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, you, you said at fourteen you identified as bisexual. Were you coming out to people? Yeah, I came out to my mother, that... um, and that's pretty much it. I came out to my first ever like female kiss partner. Weird way to say it. Um, <laughs> a girl at school that I was friends with, and um, yeah, and had my first kiss with her. And then like never that's never you know that's probably as far as I went because I was also I mean. I was just young and not really that sexual yet. Um, but I just knew that I was always attracted to women. So I came out to my mother. She was supportive. Um, I told her while she was driving, though, and she almost drove off the road because she was, like, kind of surprised by it. <laughs> that was a fun moment. I, I definitely that's remember. That's dangerous in Napa. But... <laughs> she, was, she was actually probably high at the time because she was a drug addict. But um, So she was supportive of it, though. And then, like, and then I, then I met my high school sweetheart when I was 16, and then he just always knew about it. Um, so you're like, always open with him from the yeah. jump. And then I was always open about with every um, male partner that I was with um, for any length of time. And I had some better experiences, you know, afterwards with, like, boyfriends that were more like, oh, that's awesome. This is a part of you. And uh, if you want to explore that with, you know, me, like, yeah. let's do it in the future. But never, never, you know... Not too many experiences with that, and then was there any like jealousy issues? Kind of like, mm-hmm. um, like my current girlfriend now um, has dated men in the past, and I definitely uh, there's some different energy that happens, mm-hmm. and so there's definitely been a lot of discussions about you know what what that what that means. So yeah, I think he was jealous of that, jealous of it, that. Yeah, I would want to be with somebody else and not him. I mean, but I think that boils down to like his own insecurities because he also never wanted us to have like a male male threesome you know either it was all just his own insecurities for sure about that um because yeah, i think some of it's insecurities and i think some of it's like society just telling yeah. us like that there are these different because part because in my mind i'm like it doesn't matter first of all it doesn't matter who anybody dates beforehand because that's you know all that equals the person that you're dating now um and you know that they make up that beautiful wonderful person that you're dating now um, and sometimes the bad experiences actually make them a better person or, you know, whatever it is. But then I think with all the stuff we've been taught, especially like, yeah, it kind of blew my mind when you know, we're finally we're talking about non-binary. Yeah. Because oh, I, definitely. you know, didn't think of growing up, you don't think about it because no. you're just taught this is how it is. I mean, even for me to come out to myself, like I was always taught it was like men and women are together and mm-hmm. I didn't have any real life role models or examples and very rarely you saw it on tv growing up and so like things are way different now and yeah. um you know i think it's things are a lot more common which is i mean it's so it's yeah it's changing so much so as far as like public um yeah knowledge and everything obviously uh people who've been living as non-binary or um trans or you know however they want to identify for forever for a long time we just haven't talked about it much you know very openly um so i remember even when i started to become more open to dating women even romantically two years ago i still was not even really like that have to like what uh 
somebody would you know somebody that would identify um as non-binary and all the different spectrums of it so i was like even then i was still just like oh i'm just i'm still just a bisexual and i still just date women and men and um and then the whole like do am i attracted to women who are more like feminine or or you know masculine and identifying and all everything in between that was still such a huge struggle for me and it didn't go well i had some some friends some queer friends that didn't like my coming out process again because at that point i was like age 30 kind of coming out again because i had always just identified somebody who was just like sexually attracted to women but didn't think anything as far as romantically with them and then i basically came out again in a way of like no i'm actually interested in like ex- like living a life that's i guess you would identify as queer and that was like a whole new thing and even though i didn't really have to come out to like you know family or anything about it and have experience any um major pushback it was still scary because i didn't know what i was doing yeah and i still felt like i was gonna fuck it up and i did fuck it up i think you know i fucked it up with some friends by not using the right terminology not saying the right kind of stuff uh asking the wrong questions that maybe i could have just googled you know like (laughs) that kind of shit no it's good you're trying to have open conversations i was and i and i felt safe in the time that i was doing it and then it kind of bit me in the ass later but also ultimately even i'm still thankful for those experiences and and from the the learning that i learned from it you know having to like go home and like kind of like clean my wounds and be like okay you're right <laughs> i didn't go about that correctly um and that doesn't feel good but like i needed to go through it somehow you know yeah and it was like another coming out process so i'm not gonna make it's not gonna be 100 percent perfect i'm gonna make some mistakes you know in the process and probably hurt people in the process, which is the shitty part. But, you know, it's ever changing. I feel like it's, a, you know, evolution. Yeah. If you have any intent, you know, even if asking questions, if that might uh, bother people, like if you have good intentions, I, I think mean, that's I'd like to think, but important too. But I think that's even like another thing where I still like I'm a little nervous, like coming out and starting to be like, oh, I'm pansexual, I'm whatever, because I feel like I don't know enough about gender politics and everything to be like, um, to have like a full super educated dialogue with somebody and i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings that really makes me feel um nervous but to you do can't, that you can't lose yourself in the process you i know? know yeah that's why that's why when i asked you i'm like i'm going to ask you how you identify and if you don't have an answer that's okay i'm not yeah. trying to you know pinhole because i've gotten into that um like i personally identify as lesbian that's the mm-hmm. identity i use i don't use dyke i don't use queer for mm-hmm. myself and that's just how i feel comfortable it's how i've always felt comfortable um but i've gotten in trouble too like one of my friends i'm like yeah lesbians like us huh? <laughs> and I like you know ri- like river a little mm-hmm. bit and she was like i don't identify that way and yeah. then i felt like such a shit bag yeah. but i didn't i had good intentions and you know and she was realized later her response she was like i'm sorry i was like kind of harsh with you but she's like i'm very tired of that and i'm like no i understand oh yeah 100%. like i didn't take it personal <laughs> i just felt bad that i made you know but then now in the future i try not to make mm-hmm. those assumptions so i've learned <laughs> from some experiences i've learned some i continue to make the same mistakes again um but yeah i get that too like i dated my first i came out 23 dated my first girlfriend 23 to 27 mm-hmm. we broke wow. up um she thought i'd come to new orleans actually because we were dating and then after that she was like so you're leaving right and i was like no i kind of like it here and i honestly can't afford to to move or do anything else um and so i'm 27 and i'm single for the first time and i didn't know i'd never really asked anybody out Mm. i'd only been with one woman like i didn't have any clue what i was doing um and i learned by trial and error a whole bunch you know Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm 
Oh, yeah, I can't imagine to have that be like, yeah, your only experience was just kind of this one, I don't know, like this one ride, I guess, if you're looking at yeah. like an amusement park and it's just like this one thing that you did over and over again with like different, you know, fun things, I'm sure. Yeah. Three years-ish, you know. But then to kind of like get off that ride and be like, wait. What, <laughs> what, what now? Yeah, it was, you know, she was a former Jehovah's Witness, so she had her own issues oh, yeah. with like, she wasn't out and that was, that was and what ended up really like killing everything because I couldn't. Um, I was out and it really put me back in the closet mm. and I felt really, uh, oh my gosh. It, it was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. But funny story, uh, now, yeah, so funny. that right after her, I dated another girl that I met online cause that's what you, <laughs> that's where you go, mm-hmm. uh, when you don't know how to like uh, talk to <laughs> women. Um, and anyway, so the second girl I dated and the, my first girlfriend are now together. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm trying to write a joke about it other than just saying that, other than just saying this is a thing that happened, um, <laughs> that I have to see on Facebook occasionally. <laughs> It fits all the stereotypes. <laughs> it really does. But, like, oh, I mean, that's the thing, right? I don't know. I, I, Dan, I listen to Dan Savage a lot, and he talks about that when, like, uh, straight callers will call in, and they'll be like, I just can't believe somebody, my friend would date somebody else that I once dated or whatever. And then he usually is like, yeah, that doesn't really happen in the gay community because you, you would run out of people <laughs> to fuck. If you cared about who fucked who and when and how, you know, like (laughs) if you like made the same rules that straights usually make of like, you know, bros for foes or whatever, you never do that. It's like, then you would run out of people and that's not possible. (laughs) Yeah. It can still, uh, can still happen. (laughs) Oh man. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I feel like Portland is a pretty, um, like oddly small town, oddly small queer community too. Oh, really? I thought yeah. there'd be a bigger queer it's community. It's big. I mean, I guess it's huge, but, like, it's still, that town is just so weird. Like, you just see everybody. You can't escape anything, I feel like. I went there once in, oh, God, I want to say 2004, mm-hmm. so it's been wow. some time. I spent. A, I had a friend that lived there. I spent a weekend there, and I'm going to be honest, I didn't like it. Yeah, that's before it changed majorly okay. again. Maybe I'll have to give it another chance, because I met, at this festival, I met a lot of cool Portland folks, but uh-huh. I went there, and it seemed like everything closed super early. Everybody <laughs> was, uh, I don't know, I just didn't get a good vibe from people. Yeah. Like, everyone was in a hurry. Everyone, you know, I kind of, the dudes were taking the flannel from the women, which I didn't, oh my, you know. Yeah, that's still like the my, same. <laughs> like my lesbian flannel. Yeah, um, cheers to that. I'm not a woods person, so that kind of threw me off too. But yeah. I'd be at a bar, and there'd be like three things on the menu, and then they'd close. You know, I'm like, you're open till 2, and mm-hmm. it's like one thirty, and they're like, get out. And I'm like, I don't like no, this. No, that's still the same. That's so funny. You're right. Like, that's still definitely the same. We like, the town like drinks hard. We drink hard, but we drink hard early. Because we're all just, like, <laughs> functioning alcoholics. I think we all just really, like, okay, I'm going to get this fucking shit done by 10 because I do have to work in the morning. I am blacked out, but it's done early. <laughs> see, in New Orleans, we start early and we keep going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. You ever see yourself anywhere else? I do. I, um, I've been thinking about Pittsburgh because I hear a lot of nice things about it. Um, or... Going big and going to like New York or Chicago because I'm also um, a nanny and that's what I do during the day and um, and I love doing it but part of me is like oh maybe I could like go and work for like a really rich family <laughs> you know one of those bigger cities and then have my room and board taken care of and all that stuff it just would suck because it would hinder eventually dating because you wouldn't be able to ever bring anybody to your place yeah. of living 
Um, but that means they have to have a place. Exactly, which is kind of nice, and that's not always a guarantee in Portland <laughs> um, that you're going to go fuck somebody at a place they have. But I... Uh, but also my dating has always been just so fucking all over the place. I haven't had, like, a serious relationship in almost four years, so... Have you been looking, or is it just the yeah, way... Yeah, no, okay. I have been. And I've had, like, some nice, wonderful connections and moments with people that have lasted, like, three or four months. But they usually just... <laughs> it always just end somehow. I don't really know. Uh, I was like, does it just get really weird at some yeah, point? No, this, like, the last girlfriend... Is it, like, Seinfeld's, where it's, like, one thing, and you're like, I can't do this anymore? I don't anymore. even know. Yeah, I, the last girlfriend I was... I would consider a girlfriend. It still only lasted three months. It was really wonderful. Um, ultimately, I knew it probably wouldn't last forever because she was very strictly monogamous, and I don't believe in that. I don't know exactly what I believe in, but I don't want to be in a strictly monogamous relationship for the rest of my life. So I was like, it probably won't work out forever. But I was still interested in dating her because she was wonderful, and she treated me nicely. But she kept saying that she wasn't good in relationships, and I was like, well, what does that mean? I'm telling you that you are because <laughs> I like dating you. So like, can you just listen to what I'm saying? She's like, okay, okay. But then she was really nervous about, uh, well, I get long, long story short, we, I was like, let's go get like a dildo though, you know, to add to the bedroom. And she's like, I've never been to one of those stores before. What? She was from like, the Midwest and she was real. Oh, I was like, did she come right out of the church? Yeah. Like, I mean, kind of. And she was 32, I think, and had been out her whole life or most of her life, but was still just like very kind of straight and narrow about it and uh because that's not even like that wild like, no that's not you know no exactly <laughs> that seems to me like a very normal conversation mm -hmm. like i wouldn't have blinked an eye at that so that's... she had had ones and used ones before but like it wasn't by her doing you know like she didn't go out and purchase them herself really but that's so part like, of the thing let's you know? go together yeah. so i took her to like <laughs> a really great sex shop um in town and we like picked one out she picked out the color she wanted and and I helped figure out the size because I have a very tight vagina. There's jokes about it if you want to hear me online. Okay. And uh, we bought it, and we didn't get a chance to use it that night because we had dinner plans with her two gay uncles and her mother. It was really nice. I was like, hey, let's go. Wow, let's you do met the that. family. We already met the family, yeah. and they were really wonderful. And then, so we didn't get a chance to use the dildo. No big deal, right? And then I was going to see her that Wednesday, and I was really excited. And then she came over and broke up with me. <laughs> Wait, those dildos are not cheap. It was like ninety dollars. Shit. And, and Did she you get like the glass one. Jesus. She bought it. No, oh. it was like a nice, just a nice silicone like one. Ninety dollars. Oh, Portland is expensive. <laughs> oh boy, niche, niche dildo. Now you're not community. selling me on Portland. No, yeah, it's really intense. If, if you were like all those things you said are true, but there's cheap sex toys, I'd be like, I'll consider it. No, not really. And uh, I was, like, pretty bummed about it, and she broke up just because she, um, she thought things were getting too serious. I think that the purchase of the dildo made it too serious for her. Not the meeting of the mom and the no, gay exactly. uncles? That was not serious. Yeah. And uh, then... <laughs> She's got some shit to figure she, out. That's what she said, so I was like, valid. You do. You definitely have things to work on, and I don't really want to be here for this, so I guess, bye. But then, like, I definitely texted her the next day. I was like, yo, but can I actually get that dildo, though? Because um, you bought it for me right yeah like because that's what she was saying yeah. she did buy it like for me and i was like so can i get that because <laughs> like it's kind of like if you like a, if you proposed to me and gave me a ring and then the engagement broke like we broke the engagement i would get to keep that ring yeah that's usually the standard and she just never replied to that <laughs> text. like do you have any jokes about this because I, I think okay i said it once and i was like i was like this is good i was like i somehow i said something about how it, it was like one of those 
nice dildos, one of those ones you put in the foyer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I felt like it was, you know, really unfortunate that she didn't give it to me because I feel like it's uh, possession is nine inches of the law. <laughs> that was the one joke I have from it. I like it. But um, I was bummed about that dildo. Never. Never got to see it again. I you're wonder like, if she ever used it. You're like, I don't remember her name, but that dildo is beautiful. Do you believe in the whole, like, um, relationship juju staying on the dildos? Yeah, absolutely. Clean slate. I don't, but Clean slate. I believe. Yeah. I, I support you and your. Yeah, because honestly, if somebody, if I come to somebody's house and, um, you know, I have a joke about that where it's like my ex wanted all the sex toys and I was like, great. I was just going to throw them away because oh, yes, like I don't, about. I'm not going to offer this to somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to like, because you know, you know where it's been and, and that's. But if they're like top quality silicone that you can wash and like really sanitize, like look, my, they're safe to use. <laughs> yeah. Most of my breakups, I just want out. Valid. like yeah. if i'm the one that's breaking up i want out and i give up everything mm-hmm. um my first breakup my girlfriend that i had for um 23 to 27 all i wanted was the cat <laughs> i was like you can have all the furniture i just want this cat and i got Did the cat okay, yeah good. yeah i got him um and yeah so i lost everything and so the sex toys were included in all the stuff yeah <laughs> eventually valid. like a year later she was like come by and get this box and then i got some of my dvds and stuff that she decided she didn't want <laughs> You know, after that time, but otherwise, uh, the table, chairs, everything that didn't matter. I just, you know, like I'm not. To me, it's not worth fighting over. No, for sure. You know, even if it was, and none of it was expensive because we're young and broke. But even if it was, it's not. It's not worth it unless it's like a family heirloom or something that's like the cat that's irreplaceable. But I'm just saying though, if you had spent like a hundred and fifty dollars on a total like harness dildo set that fits your body well, (laughs) you feel really good with it. I'm assuming a lot about your sex. Sorry, I don't, <laughs> don't need to be. Yeah, I'm just my saying, girlfriend's not listening. <laughs> if you were that type of person who, who really felt like you know, then like, then you're not gonna. I I would find it hard pressed to like throw all of that away and get a new hundred fifty dollars set for the next time you're in a serious relationship and you want to yeah. use it because because it has been in somebody else. You don't get to throw away a dick. Like a real dick. No. After it's been in somebody, <laughs> you just hopefully wash it, put a condom on it. But like, you can't just like throw that. It's like the idea that like this relationship juju just sticks on dicks forever or dildos is like funny to I me. I don't know. I'm kind of because I'm kind of old school. It's like okay, the thing with the, the harness though, I'm like some harnesses like that is hard to find. It's hard to find like a, but the uh, dildo you could replace That's that true. shit. Yours is interesting because you never used it, so mm-hmm. that is an unused purchase. And you can't really return it. Like, I even know. if it's unused, you can't return exactly. it. So that one, I probably would have pushed a little harder than than one text for. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm old school. Like, I kind of believe, like, everyone you're with, like, uh, especially in a relationship or in love with, like, you give them a little piece of yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I really do believe that. And a lot of people are like, what's wrong with you? Like, it's just, you know, it's 2018 and people hook up and it doesn't have to mean anything. And I'm like, yeah, but still, it's, you know. Oh, yeah. No, it definitely means something. I feel, yeah, that's, ugh. I don't even want to get into that conversation. <laughs> we don't have to go there. We can just talk about dildos for the rest of the time. <laughs> my friend, uh, my my older lesbian friend who was in a long-term relationship, she um, they broke up last year, and she was moving out of town because she, she very much was like, I need to get rid of everything that reminds me of this person, including the city I live in, um, <laughs> and move somewhere else. But she had they had bought a, a dildo, and it was too big. And so they had only used it once and then just threw it in like a, a drawer and had been there for like years. And then when she moved, she was like, Jenna, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> like, I don't know where to recycle it. And I was like, I will take it. 
and it was like a hundred and fifty dollar <laughs> dick and so I took it and just washed it extra good and then I used it a bunch but it was unfortunate because I use it for camming too and I uh so I basically just like suck it you know for the show mm-hmm. and so I kind of use my teeth a little bit because it's fun when you just like having <laughs> in your mouth and it's not it's not attached to anybody so it's like whatever no and then uh only after using it for like two months, I started looking at around like the kind of underneath the head part because this, this one did look like a dick. It it's like cracking all over because I think the silicone like got old by just like sitting in a drawer for years. Yeah. Because I didn't use it that much, <laughs> and now I'm like annoyed because now I can't use it because it wouldn't be um, sterile anymore because of like the crevices yeah. that I've created with the cracks. Yeah, I thought you were going to say something like it looked like a woodchuck had gotten to it. Yeah, so at this point, I'm going to like kind of bend it and like you can like see in it. <laughs> so what do you stuff. do with it now? So now I still use it just to suck oh. on cam, and now I bite it even more because I'm like, fuck just, it. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> um, like, otherwise, you hang it on the wall, and it'll make a nice coat hanger. Yeah, or I'll take like nice like nudes with it, I'll, like use it and take really sexy photos. But I've actually gotten a lot of like free, free dildos this way from other friends who've like – Two other ones from my friend, uh, D. Martin Austin. Shout out to them. They've given me two of their sex toys that they just didn't like. Um, <laughs> they've given them to me, and they're great. And then I got a free one once from being a stunt cock for a um, how-to-give-BJ class that Portland. Then my friend AJ, shout out to her, <laughs> also does in portland have you ever heard of this before no like a how to give a blowjob class <laughs> what is there a secret that there's just like yeah i don't even of, i don't like i'm not sure if this is even interesting <laughs> to any of your audiences but there's just well, like so, some of the audience would want to know <laughs> yeah because everyone um, assumes they're doing it right because they're like look mm-hmm. i'm putting my mouth on it like this should be sufficient no there's a lot of things i've seen the grapefruiting it. thing which you oh know, my gosh yes it, that lady's amazing like so good <laughs> oh my god ouch uh yeah but people like um pay a lot of money to go to like a class where there's like 30 other people sitting in the same room uh listening to a a lady talk about <laughs> how to give the best blowjobs, all the like tricks and like anatomy and like how to like not tire your jaw <laughs> and use your eyes and hands and all these different ways. And in order to do that, she needs somebody to wear um, a strap on so she can perform oh, okay. the things that she's talking about to the audience. And I've done that twice and it's like the funnest <laughs> thing I've ever done in my life. Cause I get to kind of showboat and be a little bit like a comic too. I kind of like, get to joke around and say stuff as she's like sucking my dick and uh and i get to fake having an orgasm at the end it's really nice is that um planned or is it like when you decide that she's done well she tells me yeah she's like okay now this is our final like demonstration of the night okay um and i want you to come and i think at different times we practice different ways like asking for consent to like come on her face and asking Mm can I come in your mouth and like because that's also what the class is about it's just like all those different things that unfortunately a lot of people just like don't even think about they're just like I'm supposed to have it I'm supposed to give oral and if I and if I give oral I'm supposed to start from finish do everything the way like porn has told me forever and not you know like yeah you can as the person who's giving it also has a say in what happens and also maybe get some enjoyment yeah. out of it versus like oh this is a thing that i'm told Doing. i'm supposed to do 
and he seems to enjoy, you know, it's, you know. Because so many people want their partners to enjoy it. Yeah. So they just take their own pleasure out of it, and that's not. And then, I mean, that was the thing is a lot of, you'd see a lot of these couples that come into it where the, the male would be, like, just so, like, doesn't want it to be that way. They don't just want to take that pleasure. They actually really want their partner to have fun, but they don't know how to, like, explain that to them. Yeah. So and so it's just a class. whole thing. Yeah, so they take this class. Portland's so cute like that. There's just a lot of, like, things like that. So can I ask about camming? Oh, yeah. Is that, uh, when did you get into that? Only, that... like, three months, three or four okay. months ago. I'm pretty new to it. Not making a ton of money doing it, but um, yet because I need to get more of a following. But um, you can follow. Oh, I'm, can I name drop my cam? Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, it's like this is why we do these things. I was gonna ask you at the end to like promote your oh, stuff, yeah. but okay, you I'll, can do I'll it in the middle, it, yeah, and then we'll repeat it at the I'll end. Repeat it at the end. I'm on Chatterbait, and I'm at Citrus Tits, all spelled out, just how you would think citrus tits <laughs> spelled out is that a... i'm really proud i got that name and didn't okay. have to add any numbers to it <laughs> i was like is that a nickname from childhood or <laughs> i had just recently dyed my hair orange and so i just was like citrus tits i don't know <laughs> kind of nice um but i am really into like public sex stuff and one of my like actual like kinks is um exhibitionism and voyeurism so I don't I don't know why it took me so long to get into it, because like I actually enjoy it, and not that other people don't. Yeah. But some people do it just to do it or whatever. Um, and a lot of sex workers obviously really love it too, and they love what they do. So I'm not I'm not saying like I'm the only one that does that. But I, for me, I was like, oh my god, I should be doing this because I enjoy masturbating for other people. <laughs> so <laughs> why am I not making money doing this? Yeah. So I don't know. Hopefully, I'll be making more money eventually. But I. Uh, like, the best I ever made once was, like, $25 an hour. So that's still pretty good Yeah, how for do you, masturbating. Um, so it's just how many viewers you get? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they tip tokens, bitcoins, I guess. I don't really know. I'm so tech dumb, too. So it's, like, I feel like I could be doing better uh, marketing and what have you and, like, having a Twitter account for it and just so many things. Um, there's so much, like, Sounds like comedy. Marketing. Yeah, there's so much marketing. And then you can, like, sell, sell your Snapchat. Like, you can create a sexy Snapchat that's different from your regular one, and then you can sell that to people so that you provide them with an X amount of, like, nudes um, for a certain price. Okay. And it's like, I could be doing that, too, because I like taking nudes, and I don't have that many people to send them to, which is a sad tragedy. <laughs> and well, so... I think after this goes on the radio, that, that might all change. <laughs> yeah, and, um, yeah, but I ha when I do, I'm on it, I do have fun, and people seem to really like my um, my energy with it, and it's clear that I'm having fun. And like yeah, you actually want to like enjoy yeah. doing it. And uh, I just I hope I'm gonna try to grow with it more, and do more of it. Try a different website too. I had another friend of mine who's doing it who suggests a different website and some marketing skills that I need to get better at. Yeah, when I said it's like comedy, I don't mean like it's comedy. I mean like it's comedy is doing your stand up, mm -hmm. but also marketing yourself. Oh, it like is. you are your own marketing department, oh, yeah. and it sounds like that's the same thing for for Camming. And I'm like. You know, I'm like, how do, you know, you can have the greatest set of your life and you can have the greatest, yeah. you know, uh, I don't know what you, session, mm -hmm. is that what you would call yeah. it? Um, and it, and nobody sees it, well, you know. Yeah, like, what's the point? Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, one time I did actually tell, I was pretty buzzed while I was doing it, <laughs> and I did tell some jokes. <laughs> it was pretty great. I was like, y'all, I'm just going to start telling my jokes. And it was the weirdest thing because I was telling it to definitely, like, people watching, but no sound. 
you know yeah. so it was like so weird to like where's my pause <laughs> breaks and what have you because I don't yeah. actually practice comedy like that I don't sit in my room and like say my jokes out loud so that was foreign to me um but I got a lot of people that really liked him though and I did get tipped for it and uh nice that was fun that's cool you get bitcoins i don't know if you know like 50 cent one of his albums he sold a bunch of them he let people pay in bitcoin and he forgot wow. that he had it and that was like before bitcoin Shit. blew up and he made i think like seven million dollars or i forgot the amount so don't quote me on that no, I know, right? if i'm wrong but it was just like this money sitting there and then all of a sudden he's like oh my god bitcoin blew up oh i have these ones over here so you know it might actually you know it could take Maybe. i don't know people yeah. have all these different thoughts about about bitcoin and cryptocurrency and i don't i'm not a tech person either so i, I don't know so. i don't know um, when did you start getting into stand-up, though? Uh, I've been doing it for, uh, actually, oh, shit, maybe March 1st, 1st was my second years. Second years? Wow, I'm so good at talking. <laughs> yeah, I'm just celebrating my second year anniversary doing oh, it. congratulations. Thank you. I've been doing it only in Portland, um, and I've been having a really good time doing it. Uh, yeah, it's been pretty fun. This is my first, like, um festival that I've traveled for and first kind of like real festival in a sense I helped last year um with the first ever Portland queer comedy festival and um with Belinda Carroll is one of the co-founders of that and I helped her do social media and then uh she just like put it on put me on it as a favor I think um don't say that maybe i don't know give yourself some credit thanks i don't know but then i ended up like well then i ended up killing it yeah yeah, i I definitely like once i was on the festival i definitely killed it it. yeah i definitely killed it pretty good and then um and then and i also did so good in the social media that now she's made me the director of social media for this year so we're gearing up it's actually when's the festival yeah july 18th through the 22nd in portland oregon applications open they are submissions actually just opened up last week um thank you for i'm so glad we're talking about this yeah because i didn't know you guys had one okay i'm like i'm gonna apply actually (laughs) um yeah so you go to it's all spelled out portlandqueercomedyfestival.com um last year we had uh, Guy Branham on it. We had Julie Goldman, um, Maggie May, Ant. I mean, some huge, huge comics, and then a lot of really great ones traveling from all over, um, and and then some local comics, obviously. And it was huge. It was like four days, multiple venues. It was the best fucking time ever. So we're really excited for the second year. Um, so we're doing submissions right now. I think they're through April, and. Um, and it's gonna be really great. Yeah, and they're gonna put you in it again. Yeah, you she's definitely it, gonna put me in it again for sure. Media and then I've been yeah doing the social media. Um, you can follow it at a PDX Queer Comedy Fest on Instagram is where we have a lot of the information. Nice. And uh, I love doing it. I'm a, I'm really I'm I'm tech dumb on a lot of like weird things, but I'm really good at social media and marketing and just being on there. It doesn't bother me at all. Like, a lot of people don't like to look at their phone and see notifications. I live for that <laughs> shit, dude. I I'm turn like them all off. Validation. And so. I can't. I can't handle it. I just, you know, I get texts oh, and get calls it. are the only things that pop up on my phone. Everything else. I have all the apps, but I have to click on them to make mm-hmm. it happen because if my phone blinks in the middle of the night, I'll get up and, an- like, I can't have anything blinking. That's so funny. Yeah, I know. I guess people have that kind of anxiety. I get it. It's just not me. I'm just like, yeah. It doesn't bother me to, like yeah create events and do things it's like what i live for so it's kind of nice um so what got you to do stand up like was this something you always thought you'd do or? yeah i was once back four 
five years ago, I was like a, um, I randomly got asked to do a monologue for the vagina monologues and for a college production. And I was given the monologue that's called My Angry Vagina. And it's the one that's the most, I would say, like a stand-up set. It's very much like just a woman up there ranting about all these things. And it's very funny. And um, I memorized it and just kind of went up there and did it uh, to the point where I had people come up to me after me afterwards and were like, is, did you write that? Like, is that yours? Like, did you just like, is that your stand-up set? And I was like, no, that's actually just somebody else's but it felt so (laughs) natural and good and it was really um yeah something just like really clicked in that sense and I had done uh high school drama and was always um really good as far as uh I have zero stage fright and zero stage nerves um but I never really liked theater that much because I felt like it wasn't me I had to be a character um and it took me years to realize that was what it was I never that I didn't stick with it it was because I didn't want to be a character yeah, I understand myself. that. I've, I've struggled with that. On, I was actually just talking to someone about when I tried to do improv because mm-hmm. I thought improv would help me uh, uh, be oh more uh, on stage, move more, have better movements, like be more active, ha- maybe do character yeah. impressions, all that stuff. And and I realized I hated it, and mm-hmm. it did because it's not authentic to me. Mm-hmm. Even if I maybe stand a little more still on stage than other comics, like I'm not Robin Williams <laughs> running yeah. all over the stage, but that's, that's him. Yeah, that's, that's fine. not me. Um, so you kind of – and I do better when I – more natural Mm -hmm. um and that's what you tap into so i'm not a good actor either Mm because i can't get into the character's mindset but you do have a good stage presence and thank you and it's interesting that we're talking about now because yeah Mm -hmm. like your jokes that i've heard the last two nights if i can remember i mean all of them are about you yeah and that's the same for me it's very hard for me to write like a joke about something that you make out of whole cloth like a, a situation like i i could i imagine do it and i definitely make social commentary on things that are happening but the rest of it's just all jokes based on your own life and your experiences yeah well that way number one no one can say that i stole them because it's like no i was at that gynecologist and mm-hmm. this is what happened to me um and, and number two i just i find mine those are funnier for me because they're more real for me um i noticed like a lot of the portland com i'm here in san francisco a lot of the san fran comics are here there's a mm-hmm. bunch from portland there's some from la and washington yeah. boston um, and, even yeah. and everyone seems to have a lot of political stuff mm-hmm. and i feel like maybe it's it's just me where like i actually get so angry that i can't make this funny mm-hmm. um or i think also in new orleans like we're not really as political and it's not really as politically minded as other places so yeah i feel like that's just kind of you know what i'm coming out of yeah definitely but i think that's what's nice because then we can be authentic and we can be ourselves on stage and we don't necessarily have to worry about being this character yeah, because you and get to just, natural. you know, share things about yourself, and that's really cool, and, mm-hmm. you know, be like, yeah, I have full body hair, head to toe, fuck mm-hmm. you if you don't yes, agree with me. Like, that's, I love it. And that's great, and you get cheers, and, and people, you know, if maybe someone else who's thought about doing that but didn't have the mm-hmm. guts to do it, you know, maybe they'll, you know. That's one of my favorite things about doing it, for sure. I talk a lot about, yeah, I mean, it's, and like you said earlier, like coming around on a uh, uh, an experience that wasn't pleasant, and then years later making it taking it back and making it therapeutic for yourself and then funny for people and in a way funny for yourself. I talk a lot on stage about my body um, and also my sexual assaults. And I also talk about my dead parents and I talk about um, bullying and uh, I feel like there's one other major thing that's taboo and um, oh, just being sexually promiscuous, I guess people have trouble with that um 
and those things have really helped me. I mean, in some ways, I've been the least, like, sad and depressed about my own issues since I started doing comedy. However, also, I've seen my anxiety increase <laughs> tenfold since doing comedy. As far as, like, do people like me? Am I doing this right? Oh, just, yeah. Once you let oh go of that, God, and I don't know stuff. how to, I don't know how to help you do oh, that. But, oh, darn. Um, you know, once you can give, like, say, I think Janine Garofalo has it, where she's just like, once you can not give a fuck and mean mm-hmm. it, like, you can say that and mean it, it's going to just open up the, the world yeah. um, for you for sure. Right. But have you had people come up to you after shows and been like, I relate to you on oh, this? Yeah. And I did a joke about my dead mom once at a bar, and uh, this man came up to me, and he was crying. And he was like, thank you so much. He's like, that exact thing that you talked about uh, happened to me like last month. And it's such a random thing because it's basically the story. The joke's too long to do, but it's more or less me talking about the fact that I had a PB&J sandwich five feet from my dead mom's body. Because like after she died, we had to wait for the hospice people to like come and pick her up. And once you die in hospice, they don't rush anymore because you're dead. Mm. So we just had to sit with her. And then you get hungry after two hours, <laughs> wow. but you yeah. don't want to leave because it's just like, it's such an intense moment. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Um, so I've made a joke about it and it's kind of a harsh one. I don't do it a ton because people don't, it's not that big of a payoff for it, but the times I have done it have been nice. And this one time this guy came up to me and he's like, she just passed away last month. And I also sat with her and had my lunch and it was a very... Um, isolating experience for me and I never thought I could really like talk to anybody about it and I was like and I told him I was like I hadn't either she's been dead for like over 10 years and I rarely talk about that specific situation that specific moment of me sitting there eating that sandwich until I came up with that joke yeah and now I can talk about it without crying previous to that <laughs> I would cry okay so yeah so progress, like, <laughs> progress. <laughs> and I remember the first time I did it on stage I actually did almost cry because it was just so like <gasps> yeah like this moment and like those are the moments I just like really like yeah and the fact that he related to it was so powerful I couldn't I was like I have to keep talking about this stuff because I get pushback sometimes from people for talking about some of these subjects and I'm not going to I mean because ultimately my my career goals aren't to become like a famous comedian I actually don't really want to do that I just want to have a platform where I can talk about these things to make myself selfishly feel better and to like have moments like that with people. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's really great. I also think, you know, uh, like Lori Kilmartin has this uh, special she just released called 45 jokes about my dead dad. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and the first one's like a really cheesy joke and she's like buckle in, we have 44 more. Oh. Like this is but I think it's like it's one of those topics that people we all have to deal with it at yeah. some point in our lives unfortunately um, at one point or another and mm-hmm. I think it's been taboo to like really make jokes about it or talk about it before but I think now that those things are kind of opening up where people are able to you mm-hmm. know where you can have that moment on stage and share it with somebody else and maybe have a little comic relief even if it's for 30 seconds yeah. you know exactly it's totally worth it to me all right well great place for us to end yeah, on dead mom jokes um, but anyway can you just tell everybody where they can find you um, mm-hmm. at, at this festival particularly and then just oh, in yeah. Portland and uh, social media, all that jazz. Fabulous. Promote the fuck out of yourself. Oh, you guys are so sweet. Um, tonight, I am on a show that is called Underwear Only. And it's at 10 p.m. And it's the show where the comics will be telling their jokes uh, nude or in underwear. And I'm really excited to be on it. This will be the third time I've told jokes nude on stage. Um, in Portland, there's a show similar called Comic Strip. And uh, the comics get naked as they tell their jokes. 
And I'm actually, as of two months ago, uh, started being the co-producer of that show um, after being on it once last year and just like loving it and having a passion for it. And I weaseled my way into being the co-producer. So if you're ever in Portland, uh, hit that up. It's Comic Strip. It happens on every last Friday of the month. Uh, Wonderful show. We love touring comics to come through if they're interested in doing it. Um, So that's tonight at 10 that I'll be doing that show here at Mutiny Radio. Um, You can follow me social media on all of the platforms. I have the same uh, username and it's Jenna with a smile. Um, And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, everywhere that way. And um, I'm also, like I said, Helping uh, social media promote for the Portland Queer Comedy Festival happening this July 18th to the 22nd. And we want everybody who falls under the umbrella of all of the alphabet soup that you can say. Um, And we do have one straight show. So if you're a super ally and you think you're better than anyone else, definitely also submit. Um, Just there's a part where you can mention that in the application. Um, So we do have the one straight show. Because we do, we do care. Yeah, about we're, our, we're inclusive. Yeah, we're That's inclusive. The whole thing. Yeah, we, we're open to everybody. <laughs> um, I think that's about it. Oh yeah, and on uh, Chatterbait, definitely follow yeah. me at Citrus Tits, and I do shows pretty sporadically. But when I do do them, I do them. And there might be jokes too. Yeah, there might be jokes. <laughs> All right, and thank you, Mutiny Radio, for letting us do this here. Uh, this is Near and Queer to My Heart podcast. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Um, and thank you to Pam Benjamin, who's amazing. All right, thank I'm Amanda you. G. Thanks. Hey, everybody, it's 6 o'clock. Welcome to the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival here at Mutiny Radio. Yay! You're all here. Yay! We have an amazing night of comedy prepared for you. Five hours of amazing people. And we are starting out tonight with the Newbies Show. All of these comedians have been doing comedy for two years or less. Oh my God, they're so funny, you won't even believe it. Your host, though, what an amazing human being she is. She's been doing comedy for over five years. She runs a show up in Portland called Comic Strip. What an amazing, lovely human being you guys have for a host. Put your hands together right now for Wendy Wise. Thank you guys so much. I just- I just want to make one tiny correction. I actually stopped hosting Comic Strip. I should have told you that, Pam, and it's now Chris Etrick. Still at the Funhouse Lounge. But you guys, welcome to the Two Years or Less show. My name is Wendy Weiss. Um, I ate half of uh, an edible earlier, and I was like, hey, this isn't doing a whole lot, and I made uh, the number one mistake, and that was eating the rest of it. So we'll see how the rest of this goes, you guys. I honestly, I should not ever be getting high because what happens is I just lose everything. Like, everything that I own just goes by the wayside because there's a hierarchy of needs when you get high that you just sort of revert back through and like phone like the first things on that list I'm going to say are eating fucking and the album time by ELO uh, are the top like three things and then the things that don't matter anymore are things like my phone and my wallet uh, god forbid an umbrella so all those things fucking just all disappear so we'll see how this goes you guys I think it's gonna be great um, I'm from Portland I'm from Portland Oregon and uh, yeah thank you there's a lot of us here um San Francisco <laughs> there's there's a lot of us here 
fucking we're all rep in portland uh you guys have like better homeless people than we do i think we have homeless people in portland too but your guys's homeless people here in san francisco are like real go-getters like last time i was here there was this dude who got up at eight in the fucking morning like every single morning probably seven because he started this at eight and he's what he started doing was screaming at eight o'clock in the fucking morning okay and then he would go all day until like five o'clock in the evening okay from eight o'clock to five o'clock this dude was screaming and people in portland are homeless because they can't get up till noon like that's why we have homeless people in portland um yeah uh, i should probably be homeless by that token i can't get up until like at least two and uh i went to college for philosophy so uh, that's why I'm a stripper now, so. <laughs> uh, I am a stripper now. I gave myself a promotion recently. I, uh, I got myself a boob job. You can't really see it right now because you're listening to me on the radio, so. Uh, but I did, I got a boob job, and I have, like, still not, it was recently, so I still don't really have, like, any idea how to use boobs yet, like, whatsoever. I don't know how they work. I'm just running around at work being like, get a load of these hamburgers boys like I don't know what you guys like to hear about these things so uh, we'll, we'll find out <laughs> um, the doctor that I went to though like it was kind of disconcerting because the doctor like his office was just like covered in like uh, just like pieces of driftwood and like uh, stones and crystals like all over the office were all of these crystals and I can't really explain how disconcerting it is to know that the person who's about to cut you open believes in the healing power of crystals <laughs> I don't want a doctor who believes in crystals I want a doctor who believes in science and like that is it that's not okay for you like it's okay for me like I do believe in crystals I'm a stripper so that's totally completely fine for me <laughs> but not you, sir. Um, <laughs> I do, I believe in crystals. I, I do like, uh, I like astrology. Uh, maybe you guys believe in something that's uh, stupid at all? <laughs> and you guys believe in anything stupid? Uh, <laughs> I do, so, all right, you guys clap if you've ever read your horoscope. For those of you on the radio, it was every single person in here because we're in San Francisco, so. Uh, clap if you believe in astrology. For those of you at home, it was half the people here because we're in San Francisco. So, uh, and then the other half are people that I consider to be very similar to the people who didn't clap. I consider them to be very similar to dudes who go around sucking dudes' dicks but insist that they're not gay, like at all. They're a little bit star curious. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and like I believe, like I do like witchy, like witchcraft stuff too. I believe in that kind of stuff, but not like, not like, it's not like Skyrim or like uh, Harry Potter or anything like that. Um, it's more like, I'll give you guys like an introductory madness spell, okay? I'll show you guys how I believe that magic works, okay? So I'm gonna say some words and I just want you guys to say whatever is in your heart, okay? Somebody once told me the world is full of love, not the trick 
Those are the exact words, Pedro. <laughs> See, now, because of some words that I said, you have Smash Mouth stuck in your head for however the fuck long you do. This is a madness spell. Because of some fucking words I said, you have Smash Mouth stuck in your head. But this spell is karmically sound the way like a lot of spells are and that's that I do that joke so I have smash mouth stuck in my head like all the fucking time like all the goddamn time so what's up how you guys are just some little nods thank you you're like I guess kind of yeah sure I guess whatever Um, I'm gonna go ahead and bring up your first comic are you guys ready for your first comic these people all these people on this show have been doing comedy for two years or less and they're all on one show together so you guys are gonna see some awesome shit from some people who haven't been doing it too terribly long so let's see who's number one Uh, I should have asked people what uh, what's up with them your first comic of the evening is named Matthew Quirk Thank you, the lovely Wendy. Am I really up first? I thought I was down the list. So uh, actually, I have been doing comedy for more than two years, but if you look carefully at the description, it says making people laugh for less than two years. And if you subtract all the bombing I've done in those two years, I'm at like six months. So this ought to be amazing. So what do you say we all get back in the way back machine for a minute here and go back to my very first real set. Uh, I'll never forget this set. I did it once for the comedy uh, joke workshop and Pam told me that it was a good set when I was done with it. And quite frankly, I'm still swooning over the whole thing that she had a compliment for me. So here we go. Ginger Lives Matter. My political movement, something that spirits me through this life and gives me strength in these hard times. That's right. Hashtag Ginger Lives Matter. I'm talking about the other red meat that you, thank you, that usually kills. Now, I know there's a lot of hashtag lives matter out there, and it's easy to get confused. But most of that stuff is a struggle for acceptance. But with us gingers, we're actually struggling for our very survival. I mean, take global warming, right? That's no good for us. But let's face it, global warming, that's just hooking a brother up, right? I mean, the future's gonna be made for them as this earth gets warmer and warmer and warmer. But not for us, not for us. I saw this thing on Facebook where they tried to get everyone to meet at Dolores Park one Saturday. I know a lot of you guys are from Portland, but San Francisco, you guys realize how fucking sunny it gets at Dolores Park? They were trying to wipe us out in one smooth move right there. But I didn't fall for it. I didn't fall for it one bit. That's why I'm here today, to keep my movement going. What movement is that? Ginger lives matter. God damn right. Keep it fresh. Now... Uh, Shit, lost my place in Ginger Lives Matter. (laughs) 
Anyway. So life's hard out there for a ginger. But I know that I have to keep fighting for our survival. I know I have to keep fighting for our rights. And I know I have to keep fighting you white people from using the G word out there on the streets, which by the way, has been, you've been a little too liberal with that these days. And don't tell me fucking pumpkin spice latte cultural appropriation bullshit. The G word, that's our word. You can't use it. Right? Yeah. And I don't want to hear this. Oh, my cousin's a ginger. So I can say it. That's some bullshit. And I sure as hell don't want to hear this. I said ginger, not ginger. So it's cool. It's not cool, man. That's enough to make a ginger snap. Thank you. At least I know you're listening. So there are rules about this word, right? Rule number one about white people using the G word. It's got to be in the rap song. Oh, come on. That's a throwback to Chris Rock. Nobody? (laughs) See, he's got this thing about white people using the N-word. It's got to be in the rap song. See, when you have to explain it. I don't mind explaining these tags. I don't mind explaining it. It's all part of my history in comedy. So I'll talk about it. Anyway, there are no other rules. That was the only one. It was supposed to be a huge tagline that everyone got immediately, but it's not working. Thank you. So anyway, it's got to be in the rap song. You know, I've been fighting this fight for the gingers all this time, and I've been fighting all these political people for it. And I got to tell you, I'm still waiting for one politician to get on board with my ginger lives matter. But I think if it was up to them, we would just be bred out of existence. I mean, now that they're studying the human genome, all my brainy friends keep on sending me these articles about how many generations are left till all that's left of the gingers is just the highlights and some lucky chick's hair. And that's it for us for the rest of eternity. But don't worry, I have a solution. I have a solution to keep the gingers alive for all of time. But it's not some solution you're going to hear from some politician. So I'm going to have to say it here tonight at Mutiny Radio. Please fuck a ginger. Tonight would be great. I'm totes available. <laughs> How am I doing on the clock? Do you know? Less than two years. <laughs> that we clarified that. Right, I'm running out. Thank you. My age group is backing me up.
anyway, yeah, I know. Thank you, thank you. Anyway, it's not just hard out there for us gingers. It's also tough out there for a shrimp. I've seen this thing where they're trying to, like, open the world of models, right? So they've started doing, like, plus-size women's models, right? And to further open that world, they've started doing plus-size male models. Yeah, what bullshit, right? (laughs) Women already like big guys. If you want some diversity in modeling out there, try a short model. Uh, Thank you. A short ginger with a dad bod. I'm trending super heavy in 2014. And once again, I'm available. So there you go. All right, good luck with the rest of the comics tonight. I can't. Guys, keep it going for Matthew the Irish. We're slaves to quirk, everyone. Uh, your next comic asked me to make up a fun rumor about her, so I'm going to tell you guys what I heard, and that's that, uh, you guys, your next comic I heard is from Portland, Oregon, also, where I'm from, and I heard that she's in town right now in the city of San Francisco to do the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, so is that true or not? We'll find out. You guys, give it up for Jenna Vesper, everyone. So they say. Rumors are true. Fuck. No, I know. I'm uh, I'm appropriating ginger culture. <laughs> fuck. I don't feel good about saying that. <laughs> yeah, fuck a ginger, but not that one. <laughs> There's a better one right there, Ben. <laughs> fuck him, at least. Or me that's faking it. I don't know. <laughs> fuck. Ugh, shit, man. It's been kind of rough. Like, 2017 really fucking sucked, didn't it? Ugh. And 2018's kind of shitty too. I don't know, but I find that when, like, in times of like turmoil and tragedy, we learn a lot about ourselves. You know, we like kind of look into the mirror and like see ourselves. And I learned this year one of many things um, is that I just want to fuck somebody regardless of their gender and call them daddy. <laughs> That's just what I want to do. <laughs> Sometimes it's not about you; it's about me calling people daddy while I fuck them. (laughs) When I tell people that I want to call them daddy in bed, I usually get a little bit of pushback, though, and they're usually like, do you have some unresolved daddy issues? (laughs) 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 Of course I do. (laughs) Look at me. (laughs) Of course I have daddy issues. (sighs) The main one being that he's dead. Super dead, yeah. It's okay. I can joke about it. He's my dead dad. It's fine. And it's been about eight years, so I've had time to process it, you know? And when they say it gets easier with time, I'm here to tell you that it does get easier with time. It definitely does. Um, I do get a little sad in the wintertime when is the anniversary of his death, you know? And I, I think about him, and <laughs> it was just kind of weird. I think, I don't know, maybe being a comic, you just... You think of the weird shit when you're like, you know, doing normal day life. And I was thinking about my father this year and I had this pretty sudden realization and it kind of like took me back. And I realized that, um, that he's the first man that ever ghosted me. (laughs) 
and no one's ever going to live up to daddy. <laughs> but they try. Oh, do they try? I told that joke to my roommate, um, and he didn't get it. Uh, he was like, what's ghosting? And I was like, what the fuck? Fuck off. Because he's a 30-year-old man in Portland. You may not know being down here, but that is a prevalent fucking situation in Portland. Ghosting, ghosting, ghosting. And I was like, I don't know how to explain this to you uh, other than just moving out the next day, which is what I did. <laughs> Hopefully he figured it out. Posted all that stuff on Facebook once because it's a fire joke. Thank you. And my grandmother liked it. An hour later, she wrote, what's ghosting? <laughs> and I was like, Grandma, it's this new like slang term for when you're like dating somebody casually, and then they just like suddenly stop contact for no reason, no warning, ghosting. She liked that. <laughs> An hour later, I fucking kid you not, she wrote, oh, do you also mean like when your dad wasn't in your childhood? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder, Grandma. <laughs> it's not what I was talking about. <laughs> Thank you, though. He's dead. You should know this. Do I have to put you in a home now? Are you forgetting shit? Because, see, like, the thing is, like, the bonus of having dead parents, spoiler alert, my mother's also dead. I'm super fun at parties. Um, one of the many bonuses of having dead parents is that you don't have to pay for their home. But now I apparently have to pay for grandmothers because nobody's there to do that. <laughs> so that fucking sucks. I actually have to like, I actually have to see my grandmother this weekend because I'm from born and raised in Napa. So I can't come down here and not go see her. And I haven't seen her in a couple years, and I'm kind of freaked out by it because she's she's pretty judgy, you know. And she judges me a lot. I'm the ba a black f you know sheep of the family, and. Uh, I'm anticipating she's going to ask me a bunch of dumb questions, and she'll probably ask me, like, are you dating anybody? And I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm dating somebody, but they're also dating other people, and I feel like she's going to judge me for that. And I feel like that's unfair, because clearly she loves the other grandchildren more than me. <laughs> so she definitely gets this idea. She's just a polygrammy. No? Okay. Damn. Polygrammy. That didn't... Okay. That was my best attempt at a pun, really didn't work. <sighs> Anyone else out there feel like a dick oracle? <laughs> Just me? I'll explain. Um, I have a pretty serious uh, worry that I talk to multiple therapists for multiple hours about my fear that I'm a dick oracle. That's basically when I go and sit down at a bar, I'll be talking to a dude about like, you know, the weather or whatever is on TV, and then immediately we're talking about his dick. And it's like, how does this always keep happening to me? It happens always very quickly, too. Like, within, like, five minutes of talking to people, they're just like, hey, you like to suck dick, right? And, you know, like, I do, but that's besides the point. <laughs> but I think, I think I figured it out, though. It's that I'm a dick oracle. Guys just have this sense about me. They want to put their dick on me. So I can prophesize what that dick do what that dick do. I know what that dick do. It does bad things. Um, wow, a lot of pushback by the majority of the men in this room. No, dicks are fine. Dicks are fine. I don't know. They're all right. I feel like they're a lot like the television show The Big Bang Theory, though. Underwhelming and desperate for attention. 
Thank you. <laughs> I feel pretty good about that. Um, let's see here. Recently, uh, I recently found out that I'm kind of fat. That was kind of weird. Found out on the internet. Some lovely gentleman notified me of that. Thank you. Yeah, I know. It's really nice. Uh, it's okay, though. It's fine. I don't care that I'm a little fat. It's all good because I have a really terrible personality. All right, thank you. Keep it going for Jenna Vesper, everybody. <laughs> Having some daddy issues and looking like it too. For people at home, I'll just tell you, uh, Jenna's wearing what I like to call the Daddy Hurt Me Special, and that's a plaid skirt and knee-high uh, knee high socks, which I'm, gonna, I'm saying this is, this is one of my favorite outfits to wear. Uh, and to see, because whenever I see, uh, I like to play a little game, uh, and it's kind of like fuck, marry, kill, but the answer is always their dad, basically. Uh, you guys ready for your next comic? Uh, on that note, I'm going to bring up your next comic. You guys give it up for Marty Cunny, everybody. Alright, thanks so much. We got a crowd going. Give it up for yourselves, guys. Coming out to see some underground comedy. This is where it's at, people. I want you to keep the applause going if you're ever a man who's ever accidentally come on his own face. Alright, we got some fucking honesty in this room. Uh, I said accidentally, though. Uh, sorry to disqualify you. Uh, I don't want to see your warrior 69 weird-ass yoga, okay? Alright, no, it's, I understand. You know, when I normally when I do that, there's a lot of like sometimes I just get dead silence, and I get it because it's it's kind of a tough thing to just like cop to. Uh, on the one hand, it's a little, it's a little, I don't know, it's weird. I, I get why a lot of people don't like it. For those of you who haven't ever uh, been facialed, I guess would be the the term. Um, the ter it it feels just like hot concentrated globs of your parents' disappointment, just like seeping in through your skin. Like I can feel my dad shaking his head at me, like what the fuck? <sighs> but I guess that's why uh, some people probably like it, right? Is because they'll do anything for their parents' attention, right? So, uh, hmm. um, no, but on the other hand, I felt pretty good about it. I was like, you know, I got some real fucking power going on down here. You know, like these kegels are really paying off. Uh, I don't even need birth control. I'm just going to blow the top out of some girl's uterus. It's just going to bow. Plus, you know, I ate a lot of pineapple, so it could be worse. Now, for those of you who did get that joke, I feel happy for, uh, for your partners. Uh, <laughs> it's very sweet of you. Huh? Oh. Ah, no, guys, big changes in my life. Big changes. Um, I'm actually, uh, I just moved in with a few new roommates. Uh, three girls now. I live with three girls. I'm kind of the odd man out. Uh, it's weird because I feel like I just don't have a lot to talk about with them, right? It's just kind of weird being a guy with three girls. They have a lot of topics of conversation I just don't know about. Makeup, guys, things like that. And then I found out when girls spend a lot of time together, when they live together, um, their periods will actually sync up. Have you guys heard this? Yeah. That's a real thing. Their cycles will... Uh, sync up and I was like fuck one more thing I'm gonna be left out of you know uh, but you know lo and behold the time of that month rolled around my hemorrhoids started acting up so uh, I really felt like I was one with the group you guys I bleed too I'm a true feminist okay um, now hashtag me too uh, is that what that hashtags for I think I 
I get it. I, I know what that. I know what the Me Too movement's about. Uh, though I and I'm fully supportive, very supportive of the Me Too movement. I think it's important. Uh, but it did ruin my favorite hashtag because um, now I can't use that hashtag as I used to anymore. Right? I can't just be like. I wanted the other day, my friend posted a picture of him at like in and out and I was like, oh, I was just there. Hashtag me too. And he was like, people were asking me like, did you get like sexually assaulted in an in and out? Like what, what happened? Was it off the, did you order off the secret menu? Uh, was it animal style? No. Uh, um, no. Um, yeah. If you, uh, if you can't tell I'm single, uh, <laughs> I've been single for a while now, um, and uh, I don't know. I just don't worry about me, though, guys. Don't worry about me, because I am just swimming in pussy, just swimming in ankle deep. I really can't even. I can't tell you guys enough about it, because uh, my ex's uh, landlord won't let her take the cats. So uh, I got two lovely little furballs at home. That's a pussy cat joke, guys. If you weren't following along, I know this is really intellectual humor. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to. I'll try to keep you guys up and up to date. No, but I, I, I've uh, I've got two lovely lovely cats at home. I do love my cats. I am actually a, a proud cat father. Cat 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 dude. What do you what do you call it? When you like when a girl loves her cats, you call her like a crazy cat lady or something, right? But when a guy loves his cats, there's not really a name for it yet. Like I I used to try to say like cat man, but that just sounds like the saddest superhero ever, right? It's, <laughs> Catman, the power to put on 25 pounds and cry in the shower. Catman, faster than speeding loneliness. I think I, now I just go with Cat Daddy. I think that's the best sounding one. Uh, does that sound good to you guys, Cat Daddy? We'll stick with that. I asked that at one show and the guy yelled out, how about queer? Uh, thanks a lot, homophobia guy. The show wouldn't be complete without you, but... I thought about it, and I was like, you know, people would probably be less surprised if I told them I was gay than I told them that I love my cats. Uh, maybe that's San Francisco for you, you know? Like, we're just very supportive here. But the look that I get when I tell people I love my cats is like, really? 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 For those of you who don't know that look, it's the same look that you get when you ask somebody for a phone charger, and they hand you an iPhone charger, and you're like, actually, I use Android. And they're like, really? Android, huh? You're not an Apple guy? Really? You don't like dogs? You're not a dog guy? Really? Fuck you, you Apple shitlords, all right? I love my cats. I'm tired of this bullshit. Uh, I do love my cats. No, really. Uh, thanks, thanks for the shout. Yeah. No, but they, they actually do a lot of things for me that my ex wouldn't. Uh, uh, head out of the gutter, guys, okay? Uh, no, they... Uh, I'll think of a couple things. Uh, for ex instance, uh, they, I don't even have to ask them to come hang out on the toilet with me. Uh, they just run right in. They run an Olympic slalom through my legs if I leave the door open even a crack. But she was like, what the fuck are you asking me this for? I'm like, listen, a king is no king without his queen on his throne, okay? It's not me time. It's us time. Um, I don't know. What else? Uh, they don't get nearly as mad when I feed them cat food. Uh, she was like, what the fuck is this bullshit? And I'm like, listen, we're not eating at Michelin-rated restaurants every night, okay? Plus, it seems like you might need the fiber because you will get on the toilet with me. Um, 
Oh, one thing, though, they do look me right in the eyes when I masturbate, though. Uh, Not super sure how I feel about that one. On the one hand, it's nice to know that somebody cares about me. Uh, On the other hand, they just don't blink, guys. It's weird, okay? I got these weird weird eyes. Now, you guys, anyone here like fishing? Have you got any fishing fans here? (laughs) Whatever, just tell the fucking joke. I do, I do like fishing, though. Uh, I went fishing the other day to the fishing hole. That's where you go fishing, if you didn't know. Uh, and I went, and there was a sign there that said, uh, must be at least 10 inches to take home. I was like, what is this, Tinder? Uh. I do treat fishing a lot like I treat picking up women, though, is that I just kind of... Uh, get really drunk and sit there for like six hours and just (laughs) hope something happens, you know? Best case scenario, I catch something and like, it's gotta be the dumbest fish in the pond, right? Probably wanna catch and release that fish. Uh, But most of the time it's really just me going drunk, home alone and smelling like power bait both ways. no, it's tough, though. I mean, I, I, I was in a relationship for six years, so when I came out of the relationship, I hadn't, like, I was inexperienced in the dating app game, which uh, I found out is, is tough. It's a tough, because, man, people are just so dishonest on those things, right? Like, you can't, nobody tells the truth about themselves, right? I, for instance, like, what, what, what is every girl on these dating apps like, right? They like wine, right? They like books. They like cars. They like adventure, Right? When you show up to the date and you're Maserati with your copy of Mein Kampf and the wizard's robe drinking Franzia, they look at you like some kind of asshole, all right? This is what you wanted. This is what you said, okay? I'm just trying to paint the picture you described to me, okay? Goddamn. It's tough. It's tough out there, guys. No, uh... You guys, uh, we're a little bit out of the holiday season, right? We're, we're well out of it, but uh, there's one holiday that everyone forgot this year. Uh, it was the 25th anniversary of the first text message ever being sent. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, 1993 uh, or 97. They sent the first text message ever sent was uh, Merry Christmas. This was right around Christmas time, right? That's nice, right? And if you want to celebrate that, you can also celebrate an hour later the first ever text message being sent uh, of new phone. Who dis? Uh, and then an hour later, you can celebrate the first stick pic ever being sent. And then an hour later, the first block number. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm also still not used to the dick pic game. Uh, I didn't send it to my ex. She knew what it looked like. There was no point. Uh, but I don't know, girls, what girls, they take so many pictures, right? What girls take pictures is like, eventually they all figure out their pose, right? Girls get that, like, whatever that fucking, like, weird giraffe pose is, where, like, arm out, fucking ass out, head up, like, they've got the angles down. I do not have my dick pic angles down. Um, I've been trying to find it. Uh, I started from the top, and I realized that's... It's not good. You get your spare tire in there. Nobody wants to see, like, rolling hills up to the Washington Monument, okay? Uh, I tried it from the side, but there's just no way to do that without looking like a serial killer. I don't know what it is. It's just like... 
bad news. And I had a genius idea. I was like, what? It's got to be from the bottom, right? Because you got to get that extra fucking inch and a half from your balls of your dick that, like, it's like padding your resume, right? Like, it's like all the girls are like, uh, you know, these jobs that want three to four years of experience for an entry-level position. It's like, well, listen up. I, uh, it's like this line, it's pretty much lying on your resume, which is what we all had to do, right? Uh, so I tried it, and, and then uh, it was a hard realization to figure out, like, that's how short my arms are. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, uh, is this, are you taking, like, pictures of chicken breasts? What's going on here? Uh, and I was like, okay, fine. I've got an idea. Get a selfie stick. Oh, I finally get the shot, okay? I'm going to get the shot. Selfie stick goes down there. I take the picture. It looks great. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm like, damn, this is going to be impressive. I'm, I'm, I'm finally ready to send this bad boy out. And then I noticed one little detail. I looked at the picture, and it was like this. I photobombed my own dick pic. <laughs> <laughs> my smiling face in the back there. I can't even get into my mind. I can't even imagine sending that to a girl. Also, somehow, my dick turned black. Uh, thanks, guys. That's my time. Bring up your host, Wendy. Going for Marty. Uh, yeah. You know what? It is like I also love cats. I have a cat, and my cat is just like, I hate her. She's just fucking, she's old and she's ugly and she just doesn't do anything. She's just like a slightly less racist version of my grandfather, basically, is what she does. And I have to take her to the doctor to get all sorts of stuff. Um, she has to get pills. And I remember the first time I was in there, the doctor was telling me how you crush up pills. And he was like, you take the pills, you put it between two spoons, you grind it together into a powder. And I was like, Doc, do I look new to you right now? <laughs> do I look like somebody that you need to explain how to crush pills into a powder to? Because if that's the case, I look great today. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, and th it is like, there is a thing when you are a woman and you have a cat, uh, like people do, or they're like, oh my God, are you a crazy cat lady? And like, the thing is like, no, a, a cat is just a very convenient pet, okay? I live in an apartment, okay? I can't have a bear, all right? That's what I can have. And like, <laughs> I don't have time for a dog and hamsters are fucking stupid. And so are you if you own one and you're above the age of 10. Um, but that's all I can have. Some women own it though. They're like, oh my God, I have three cats. I'm a crazy cat lady. I have three cats. I named them all after, after Buffy characters. I'm crazy. I'm a crazy cat lady. You guys ready for your next comic? Awesome. I'm really excited to bring him up. He's also from Portland, just like me. He's one of my favorites. You guys, put your hands together and be real loud for Pedro Andrade. When two lovers woo, they still say I love you. It's beautiful. <laughs> did, did you think I was going to start dancing? As big as I am, I can't be out here. Can't do it, man. Seriously, man, I'm so big, other Mexicans have to see my documents and shit. You know? <laughs> How's everybody too? So good to be here. Thank you so much, man. Give it up for your host, man, Wendy, rocking it. <laughs> Fuck yeah, give it up for yourselves too, right? Give it up for yourselves, man. So I'm what happens when Mexicans get drunk and raw dog Samoans. <laughs> I know some people can't see me. I'm six foot four, I weigh 280 pounds. I uh, can never be a Latin lover. 
can't be on the dance floor swinging my arms and kicking my feet, you know what I mean? Without putting other people at risk. <laughs> Go out thinking I'm gonna dance and have fun and end up with a felony. <laughs> a salsa and battery or something. <laughs> yeah, then I get uh, released back into the community as a registered salsa offender. That's it, all right, I'll stop. It's okay. It's okay, man. I uh, smoke a lot of weed, so the. Anyways, don't, that, that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> I, uh, you guys, you guys like music, right? This is a music town. Uh, the 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 summer the summer song last year was Suavecito, Justin Bieber, Daddy Yankee, and uh, I can't relate. Like as a Latino, I can't relate to that, you know. Because, like, no, no one's ever told me suavecito, which means it's like a seductive, slowly, you know? You know, people always tell me apurate, which means hurry up. Or tan rápido, which is that quick. <laughs> I don't get suavecito. My, uh, I haven't doing comedy too long. I'm doing, like, for, like, about, I think this is, like, my third, I'm starting on my third year and uh, moved to Portland. Uh, not not to do comedy, but I just I just moved there, and it turns out that that's what I end up doing. My brother called me the other day and asked me how my comedy career was going. I think it's funny he used the word career. Did they ch did they change his definition to like works for a few drinks? Because that's that's what's happening right here. How's my comedy career going? Let's see. Uh, the other day, a joke of mine got 20 likes on Twitter. Hell yeah. And I did a show at an abandoned car wash. <laughs> I got paid with weed. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. I didn't tell my brother that. I don't want him to resent me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Start hating on me. I don't really, like, talk to my family about comedy. Like, I, I tried with my dad, but he tells me he doesn't get my jokes. I said, that's okay, dad. I never got your love, so. <laughs> it's all good. You know what, I'm almost like, I usually ask where's all my Latinos at, and usually no one ever says anything. So, bienvenido, or bienvenida, bienvenida ex, how are you? Well, I mean, calm down, don't get mad about it. Like, there's more than one, and like, the other person's like, hey, me too. Cabron. Pero yeah, that's how it is. I was, uh, I was born in Mexico, I've been in America most of my life. I, uh, Came out here in 19, 19, uh, my family came out here in 1979. That also has nothing to do with the next joke. <laughs> I just, I forgot, <laughs> suddenly I thought I was in therapy and shit. <laughs> out here. Yeah, I know. Yeah. A lot, lot of dudes are confused right now. They're like, ah, oh, man, you can't even hug a woman at work anymore without it being a problem. I'm glad I don't have that, like, I don't have that way of thinking. Like, I never try to hug women, and I never expect a woman to hug me. I thank my mom for that. <laughs> Love it. I, uh, my, I was talking, to, talking about my brother earlier. My, uh, I have a nephew, his name is Tupac. Tupac, yeah, my brother loves rap music and shit. He's a producer, makes music and all that. Uh, but you know sibling rivalry. Not to be outdone, when my uh, when my son was born, I named him Big Pun. 
Eh, whatever. Should have said Biggie. See, that was funny. The the fucking whatever. How's everybody doing? <laughs> I keep looking over here because like my notes are over there, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like I wasn't. I, I was smoking a little hash herbed, and uh, that's what happens. <laughs> I do have a son, though. I do have a son. Um, right on. Yeah, clapping for for children. Have a son. His mom, his mom called me the other day. I'm not with his mom. Uh, she called me to tell me she was going to change his last name to, to his stepdad's name. And, uh, but I didn't trip. I didn't get mad or nothing. I actually thanked her because at least this time she warned me I was being replaced. <laughs> <laughs> Got to give it up, man. Some good shit. <laughs> oh, man. Black Panther just came out. You guys go see Black Panther? Woo! Yeah, man. I work with, I work with like underprivileged kids and, uh, there's a, uh, you know, there's different, there's a diverse group of kids. And I, I, I brought up at work, I was like, hey, we should treat some of the African-American kids, black kids, to the movie, to the, pr- when, it, when it comes out. And uh, it's crazy how, like, how, 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 because I, most of the staff is white. And so some of the staff members were like, well, aren't the white kids going to feel left out? And I was like, well, we could just treat them to, I don't know, any movie ever made? God damn it. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Shit, man. The fuck is going? Aren't they gonna feel left out? Anyways, what else is going on? I uh, I uh, was driving. Speaking of kids, I was driving by a school zone the other day in Oregon. I don't know how it is here, but uh, I don't know who decided that 20 miles an hour is the appropriate speed to hit a kid with your car. <laughs> but I'd like to find out. <laughs> like to find out. Not a lot of Latino comics growing up. I, I grew up in America, California, and Washington State. Not a lot of Latino comics. Uh, not really a lot of Latino actors or directors or writers, you know, at least that I knew of. I found out later doing my own research. But, you know, when you're going to school and stuff like that, they don't, don't talk to you about that stuff. But I, but I will say this. If, I, if there was, like, one Latino that's influenced my comedy style the most, it's uh, definitely the Night Stalker. <laughs> Richard Ramirez. Yeah, he was killing it in L.A. for a little bit. And in mostly white rooms, too, so. (laughs) Got to give it up. Got to give it up. Staying at a hotel here in San Francisco, you know. And I I walked in, and and I checked in. It says there's a sign that says, if you smoke here, we find out that you're smoking, we're going to charge you $25, right? I thought to myself, like, so it's okay for me to come all over your bed no weed smoke? That's just a thought that I had. It has nothing to do with anything. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of like xenophobia in America right now, right? Like people fucking talking shit. Donald Trump called Mexicans murderers and rapists, right? And uh, I got to say this, like I wasn't surprised because like it's been, I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been hearing shit most of my life, like people calling us beaners, Wetbacks, illegal aliens, happens all the time, man. Shit, even the other day, my doctor called me a borderline diabetic. (laughs) Fucking racist, right? (laughs) That shit. (laughs) Fucking crazy, man. Doing the online dating thing, you know, OkCupid and Plenty of Fish and Craigslist, all of that. 
I even I even like saw an advertisement for a, a, a dating site called Farmers Only. Dot com. I don't know if you guys see the, get those commercials here. Anybody here familiar? Yeah. So I, you know, I'm an open-minded guy. I try setting up a profile, but as soon as I enter my name, my first name, they rerouted me to farmworkersonly.com. I don't know why. I don't know why. I mean, Mexicans have been getting fucked by American farmers for centuries. How's everybody doing? Is my time? Is that time? Oh, okay, sorry. I, I sorry, sorry. It's cool. No, it's cool. We're moving around. We're having fun, right? That's what we're doing at this motherfucker. Where's the liquor, man? What the fuck? Man, that's dope, man. I never. I know that sucks. I'm about to go get faded after this set. Anybody want to join me? At this point, I'm just talking, just mumbling shit out. Don't really, yeah, but my, my friend, he doesn't, uh, my best friend, he doesn't believe in online dating. He prefers meeting women the old-fashioned way. And it's working out for him, too. Found out he's fucking my abuelita. <laughs> Should have realized something was up a couple months ago when he started calling me mijo. I don't know where. It's like, no mames, wey, calmala. Yeah. So I live in Portland, but I'm originally from, like, Washington State. Like, I t- like I, I've been living there for a long time. And, um... One of the things about Portland is that, you know, being around, it's, it's primarily white, it's a lot of white people there, and it starts, you know, it starts to kind of, Portland starts to rub off on you, like, and I say that because the other day I caught myself referring to America as ill-gotten <laughs> instead of just stolen, <laughs> using words like referred and shit. And then I go back, visit, then I go back home to visit, and, and then they, they notice it too, right? Like, I was at a bar, and uh, at one point the bartender's like, hey, you sound like a whitewashed Mexican now. I was like, no mames, culero, como que whitewash Mexican. Poquito más de respeto, cabrón. Soy cliente. But he didn't understand. I guess he didn't speak Spanish. So I was like, hey, that's colonized Mexican to you. And then I ordered an IPA and some tater tots and a cider ranch. <laughs> Stop me. Yeah, I, uh, one of the things, like, there's a lot of, like, stereotypes about Latinos is that, like, a lot of us are, one of the stereotypes is that I think, like, we're, like, cholos and shit, or, like, we can be, like, a lot of us, or whatever, gang-related, or whatever, at least we're, at least in the Northwest, um, but, like, I've never been in a gang, I mean, I, when I was young, I hung out with a, with some, with some dudes, called ourselves, like, what we used to do is we used to go around and we used to steal Cadillac ornaments, Cadillac cars, and, and we, like, hang them on our, on our belts, like, keychains and shit, call ourselves the the Cadillac boys though like in retrospect we should have called ourselves the evidence boys <laughs> anyways man I think that's my time so I want to wel- I wanted you to welcome back your host Wendy Ways you guys keep it going for Pedro Andrade and I don't know if I said this earlier but I'm saying it now he was your last comic of this show you guys give it up for everyone that you've seen today uh stick around for the next show hey and if anybody wants to drink please remember go to asiento bar up on the corner they have happy hour pricing all night long for anybody from the festival so if you want any drinks asiento on the corner happy hour pricing all night long go get a drink at asiento we'll be back in 10 minutes with our next show millennials versus gen xers
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and... These, these things just took over me. It's your boy Sifo here, here to let you know that the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is March 1st through 7th, 2020 with special podcasts and comedy shows, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week. Get your tickets now on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comics from all over the U.S. coming for 66 programs in seven days, all here at 2781 21st Street in the heart of the mission. Or if you can't be with us, listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm Join us March 1st to 7th for these amazing events. What kind of a future? Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Davis, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834. Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... The 
let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen. By uh, here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch. What's happening? This is your boy, Rob Edwards. I'm here to tell you about the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's March 1st through the 7th, 2020, with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week long. Get your tickets on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comments from all over the U.S. Coming for 66 programs in seven days, all here at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission, or listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st through the 7th for these amazing events. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. 
They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Tired of paying too much for your internet? Contracts and hidden fees got you down? Tired of supporting the same big cable companies that lobby against a free and open internet? Get Monkey Brains! Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral. Residential internet for only $35 a month, business packages starting at $75 a month, Go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today. Asiento. Asiento. Take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento honestly is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. El Rio began her life in 1978 as a leather Brazilian gay bar. We are an LGBTQ plus space who is welcoming to all good people. We actively invest in communities to promote social change. We actively invest in our local arts and music scene to give space for artists. We actively pursue underserved communities in the use of our space. We are an awesome supporter of the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, hosting an incredible off show. 
Wednesday, March 4th, 9 to 11 p.m. with LGBTQ plus and allied comics. So come out to 3158 Mission Street at Cesar Chavez, San Francisco. It's open every day at 2 p.m. with an incredible back patio. El Rio is your dive. Thriving community. Five, eight, three, San Francisco, Mutiny Radio. San Francisco, Mutiny Radio. Listen to live streaming radio or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. Listen to live streaming radio or download a podcast and you can listen on the go san francisco mutiny radio san francisco mutiny radio why not make a donation streaming live the station District of the Mission MutinyRadio.fm MutinyRadio.fm Listen to live streaming radio Or download 